As the weather gets a little warmer, that means we can reclaim our favorite room in our house, our screened-in back porch. You can sit on the back porch just in the right place and see nothing but the farm across the street with the barn on the top of the hill. And on our back porch, there's an old radio. It came with a house. It's the kind you don't see around anymore, the kind with knobs instead of buttons. If you want a radio station, you've got to turn those knobs and this little green line just dances across the screen in between these numbers and these little dashes. No digital readout, no scan and seek button. You can't save the station once you find it, just a knob. You have to know the name, the number of the station you're looking for, and you have to tune it just Right. If you're just a millimeter more, you lose the station. You've got to find that place in between the static. Sometimes the two stations are so close together, you, you kind of miss it, and they go in and out, cutting in and out from station to station. Sometimes you're just at the edge of the station. You think you almost have it, but it's too quiet, but just one little nudge more, and there it is. And you're tuned in. It's surprising how hard it is to tune in. There's a lot of static in life, a lot that competes for our attention. Some of it's bad. Some of it's just distracting. Some of it's good, but it may not be what we want or need to hear in the moment. It's hard to pay attention, to turn that knob past all the distractions and just be present in the moment It's hard to tune in. Now, Luke's gospel that we just heard today tells a story about two women who invite Jesus into their home. It's a meet and greet. Now, we know what this is here in Iowa. It's already caucus season. If you haven't noticed, all over people are hosting meet and greets in their homes and their businesses and community gathering places The candidates of their choice invited over so that friends can hear what they have to say. Shake their hand, ask questions, take a selfie. That's what Martha and Mary are doing with Jesus, hosting a meet and greet. They have been tuned in to what Jesus is saying and they want their friends to check him out. And so they throw a party so others can hear what he has to say. Come meet Jesus, hosted by Martha and Mary. That's what the invitation says. That's not how things play out. Martha is working her tail off. Dishes, food, refilling drinks, answering the door, showing people out back to the restroom, making sure everyone could listen, everyone could hear Jesus. That's why they're throwing this party. And Mary, Mary is of no help at all. It's as if she doesn't even see those dishes piling up, those empty glasses. She is ignoring the doorbell. She was co-hosting this meet and greet. Now she's acting like the whole party is thrown for her, like she's one of the guests sitting at Jesus' feet as if this were all just for her. Martha, Martha's fuming. Can you blame her doing all the work, carrying it all? She tries a few passive aggressive looks from the back corner to Mary, but Mary does not see her at all. She walks by, picks up some dishes and... Huffs and puffs and grabs the dishes, stomps away to the kitchen. But Mary has no clue. She's hanging on Jesus' every word. 
And finally, Martha has enough. She stomps out of the kitchen, almost knocks that pile of dirty dishes over on the way and interrupts the Q&A with a question of her own. Lord, I got a question for you. Do you not care that my sister has left all the work for me to do? Martha, well, she doesn't wait for an answer because she knows the answer. Obviously, Jesus is going to be on her side. He just wasn't paying attention. He didn't see how hard she was working. She, he didn't see that Mary was shirking her responsibilities. And so without missing a beat, she answers her own question and says, tell her then to help me, Jesus. Jesus, well, Jesus has an answer. It's not what Martha expects. Martha, Martha, Jesus says, you are worried and distracted by many things. You only need one thing. Mary, Mary's chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. And that's the end of the gospel story. It's pretty short. The text moves on from there. We hear from Mary and Martha later in the story, but no more about this. No interpretation. No, this is what you should do with this story. So I wonder, is Jesus just telling us to be lazy? Is he justified in criticizing Martha? After all, she's just trying to do a good job, trying to create hospitality so people can hear the message of Jesus. She's doing what needs to be done. Last spring, Marty and I went with our friend Sarah down to Table Rock Lake for a few days, and we thought it was a great idea to go kayaking. And it was for a while. We went out about an hour, and almost as if it were planned, when it was time to return, when we turned the boats around, the wind picked up like old man weather was standing behind the port where we were heading, blowing 15 to 20 mile an hour winds exactly in our direction. We paddled and paddled. Three hours later, we got back. It was exhausting, and if you wanted to take a break, you drifted backwards and lost 10 minutes at least of paddling. A quick break would mean a whole nother hour, perhaps, to the trip. And so we just kept paddling and paddling against the wind, trying not to lose ground or water, swearing we would never go kayaking again. And that's how life feels sometimes, as if everything's blowing against us, a non-stop struggle, trying to move forward against the wind. And if we were to take a break... We'd lose so much ground we could never catch up. Better to just keep on working, keep on paddling, pressing forward because, well, you have to work hard. Because there are deadlines to meet that will be there if you stop. Responsibilities, obligations that must be tended to. It'd be nice to quit it all, slough it all off, just sit and listen. But if we did, we'd lose too much ground there's no time for a break. We're even struggling to find 10 minutes during Lent for prayer. We're too busy. And while we wish things would be different, they're not. We wish we could be married, but if we were not Martha, it would all fall apart. Maybe you've read in the news, seen the stories over the last couple weeks of Boeing, the U.S.'s major airplane manufacturer, two of its brand new 737 MAX planes crashed months apart, yet each crash seemed to be very similar, so much so that the whole world grounded all of these planes, suspecting there's some design flaw 
The New York Times reported last week that Boeing, well, it was in a race with Airbus, the other main, uh, major manufacturer, not from the United States. American Airlines was going to make their largest ever purchase of new airplanes. And Boeing entered the race late. They kind of took for granted their position, assuming that American Airlines would buy from them. And when they heard they wouldn't, they kind of freaked out. And they started frantically developing a new plane, but they were already six months behind Airbus. And so they expedited everything. The timeline was extremely compressed, an engineer told the New York Times who worked on the project. It was always go, go, go. The pace of work on the 737 MAX was frenetic, according to current and and former employees. Engineers were pushed to submit technical drawings and designs at roughly double the normal pace. Facing tight deadlines and strict budgets, managers quickly pulled workers from other departments when someone left the MAX project. And although the project had been hectic, current and former employees said that when it was all finished, they felt confident in the safety of the plane. But now it's all being questioned. That frenetic pace is being rethought. Boeing was able to meet their deadline. American Airlines ended up buying half the planes from Boeing, half from Airbus. But Boeing made the deadline by keeping as much the same in their new plane as possible. Because if they changed too much, then pilots would have to go back for training. And if they went back for training, that would just delay everything even more. And they would lose this uh, this great opportunity. One of the new things that they did in the plane, they're trying to make it more fuel efficient, so they put bigger engines, and the bigger engines caused the nose of the plane to potentially go up. And so back in the depths of the software system, they put this little fix that would correct the nose. So little, so small, so insignificant, they thought, that regulators didn't even think they had to be retrained. They didn't even tell the pilots this feature existed. And now this one little correction is what is believed to be the cause of the two crashes. A software error, a self-correcting feature, some little bug that makes it do its correction when it doesn't need to do it, causing those two planes to be forced into an unrecoverable nosedive. And the question being asked is, well, if they weren't in such a rush, would they have found this flaw? If they weren't so busy trying to meet a deadline, would lives have been saved? It's a question maybe we can't answer. But it's a question maybe we should all be asking ourselves. What do we miss in the midst of all of our busyness? What potential fatal flaw are we overlooking? We may never know until it's too late. Are we risking our own lives? Marty and I have the blessed opportunity to be with a number of people in their final days, those final moments in life. And in those moments, all the distractions go away. All the static is tuned out. And that in every person, it seems, everyone tunes into the same station, to that one thing that matters the most, the people they love the most, those things they love the most, They're surrounded by them in those moments. They hear stories of their favorite memories. They focus on their faith. In the final moments, they tune in with a clarity so rare in our lives. Now, Martha, God bless Martha. We need Martha. We need to be Martha. 
Things need to be done. Hospitality provided, chores completed, tasks done. But we need Mary too. We need to know when to be Martha and when to be Mary, when to focus on the many things and when to focus on the one thing that matters most. There's something so relaxing when you settle into the back porch. On a summer evening, you turn that radio dial to that one station you can find, and you sit down and you listen. You can't skip stations. It's too much work. You just listen to what happens, to the music, the next song that comes along your way, to the birds chirping. Watch the sunset. Listen to life. Now, Mary has chosen the better part, Jesus said, and that is what will not be taken from her. One day the to-do list, all those things, will be gone. And the only thing we have left is the one thing that matters most. May we have the wisdom not to miss our life. The wisdom to work, yeah, when we need to work. And stop when we need to stop. To meet deadlines, but not at the cost of our life. And the cost of the people and the things that matter most. May we tune in. Settle down and sit at the feet of Jesus as he speaks the words we most need to hear. You are enough. I love you. Amen. We've talked in this season of Lynn about the practice of letting go. Letting go of those things that are weighing, weighing us down. Sometimes in our Christian tradition, we call this confession, assurance, and petition. These three ways of reconnecting with God are so ancient and just make sense in confession. We let go of the regret about the past, unburden our hearts from those things that weigh us down, and then we are assured of God, that God will never abandon us no matter what. And then we give our petitions to God, let go of the worry about the things we cannot control to worry about the future and give it all to the loving God who creates us and holds us close. Now, our hope this season of Lent is that you're finding that space in the midst of it all to be married, to sit with a prayer guide, to spend 10 minutes a day. And now I invite you to spend a moment in prayer together. Find in this place silence. And it's okay to not try to fill that silence with words. Just find a stillness, perhaps calling your attention to your feet on the floor, your hands on your lap, your breath in and out. There's nowhere to go, nowhere to be. And the stillness, this being, it's enough.